Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Hello and welcome in to the Knit British podcast. I feel like it's been ages and ages and ages since the last of my podcast, but it really only was a couple of weeks ago. And um, so much has happened in that time. You may have noticed that the title of this episode is K2Tog, which is very appropriate because since the last time I podcast, I got married. And I absolutely make no apology for the fact that we kept that a secret because it was really lovely to have this special thing and share it between just ourselves and a few chosen others. And it was awesome. And I thank you so very, 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 very much from the bottom of my heart for the congratulations and the messages and all of your sweet wishes for us um, that you've sent via Instagram and Twitter and email and by post. We're very, very touched indeed. So it's been one of those things that you know that I, I keep a, play a lot of things down and keep a lot of things quiet. And that has been one of those things. And one of those things that's really been occupying my time of late. Because no matter how small and laid back a wedding is planned to be, it sucks up a heck of a lot of your time. And uh, also, you may have noticed that I have been recently struggling uh, with anxiety and no matter how how good your plans are, anxiety can strike uh, when you least expect it. And so I was a little bit quiet on social media for a little while, um, but safe to say that the day was totally stress-free and anxiety-free and we did exactly what we had planned to do and that is not easy if you've ever planned a wedding and um, I guess whenever you tell people you're getting married there is a certain amount of expectation from other people about how your day should be and the lovely fella and I are of an age now um, slightly over 40 and kicking the arse of 40 that if we're going to do anything we're going to do it the way we want to do it and uh, to the exclusion of all others <laughs> as they say so it was it was awesome and it was just tailor-made the way that we wanted it and that made it incredibly special and and yes and those are probably as much as the details that I'm going to divulge on the podcast I have been asked if I would share more photos on Instagram I'm not going to do that but I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my attire a little bit later uh, but please don't be offended when I say that I'm not going to be sharing any more photos as I've said it was a special day that we just wanted to share um, really with ourselves because you know, for us, a wedding is not an excuse for a party or to buy dinner for thousands of family members, most of whom you don't see very often. Um, to, to, to us, your wedding day is part of your marriage, which is the start of the next chapter of your life and 
it's your married life together that's important, not the party. So thank you again. And um, I'm very, very touched indeed. We both are. And after short ceremony and our lovely afternoon tea, Afterwards, uh, we we left Edinburgh and went on our holiday, which I did tell you about last time that was coming up. And thank you to all of you who got in touch with sheepy and wooly recommendations for me. Unfortunately, most of them were in the parts that I said we weren't going to be in. But thank you so much and that I have some great places to go to the next time we do that trip and hopefully visit some of those areas that we didn't get to visit. But it was... We just had an incredible time. We hired a camper van, which was, for those of you who know your camper vans, which I'm sure there are a few of you, it was a Chausson Flash. And uh, Isla from Brickyard said, you must name your camper van. And we had a little think about it. And I said to the lovely fellow, what what can we name our camper van? And he said, well, because it's a Chausson. And because, <laughs> because we're on honeymoon, maybe it should be Chausson d'Amour. So we headed off and we did the long drive uh, up to the Black Isle and we spent the first night at the Fortrose Bay campsite, which was really, really lovely. And um, we had an awesome time there. The campsite faces out onto Fortrose Bay and we got a pitch um, facing the bay side that was that was really nice and we lucky enough to have a new moon so the moon was huge and lovely and the weather was incredible and that really was to last the whole trip like we had gorgeous weather the whole time in the highlands um so the, f- the first day was really just about getting there the second day we headed up the east coast to john O'Groats. And stopped off a few places on the way, actually. Uh, We stopped off at the Falls of Shin, which uh, is a really lovely waterfall. And you can, at this time of year, you can watch the salmon trying to leap up over the falls. And it's incredible. It really makes you think about how tough that journey must be. Because when you see the force of the water, it's, it's incredible. And I saw one salmon jumping up. And another another could have been the same one falling back down again. Uh, but that was lovely, very nice area there. There was a visitor centre there at one point, but apparently it burned down. Um, it, in the guide, the Lonely Planet guide, it also said it was very peculiar because it had a life-size waxwork of Muhammad al-Fayed in the fire, which I'm sad not to see now that the place has burned down. Um <laughs> We also went to go to the Hill of Many Stains, which is on past Liebster on the way up, up north uh, towards Wick. And it's roughly, I believe, because I never got there, um, a, a square area um, covered in heather and gorse. But there are around 200 stones arranged in 22 rows that kind of go north to south. And I really like things like that. Apparently one of the best preserved ancient monuments uh, in Caithness and the Sutherland. Um, it's meant to be about 4,000 years old. I would have liked to have seen that. But as we drove along the sort of minor road to get to it, some lovely person had parked their car in the middle of the parking place that could have comfortably held their car and our camper van. And uh, so we couldn't park and it was a very, very, very 
thin road and so I hoped that they had a shite time <laughs> and got a bit muddy because it was it was a shame. Spoil it for everyone. So I never got to see the Hill of Many Stains. Maybe another time. Uh, but not far from the Hill of Many Stains is Whaley Go Steps. I, I can remember this from one of Billy Connolly's old TV programmes in the 90s where uh, he visited around Scotland and I can remember him talking about the 300 odd steps uh, carved out in the cliff that go right down to a natural harbour where fish would have been landed and baskets of fish would have been carried up these steps, up the cliff. So we, we decided we would go and see that. I really wanted to see that. And there was a, a, a volunteer there who was sort of explaining, answering some questions for another visitor. So we kind of waited around a little bit, hung back to to hear what he had to say but then all of a sudden this tabby cat appeared from nowhere and was sort of walking ahead of us and kept looking behind to make sure we were following which we did do and she just led us to the top of the steps which I thought was very very kind of her or him I don't know if it was a her or him I what I would say is that if you plan to visit this area there is no signpost for Whaleygo steps um, there is as you're travelling north there is a, a, a sign to your left which says Cairnaget and then there's an, a, another road to your right and it's actually the road to your right that you take to visit the steps. It's a shame that it's not signposted because it's a really wonderful thing to see but I can maybe understand why they don't want it signposted because then they would probably have a lot of traffic and it would be a lot of upkeep because the steps are very uneven and it is run by volunteers. Um, so it's one of those kind of undiscovered Scotland kind of places to visit, I'd say. I have to say the descent was incredible and there's fulmers and seagulls sort of swooping overhead and this time of year there's lots of heather out, sea pinks, thistles... I didn't go all the way down because I got kind of halfway down and then thought, hmm, you know when the sort of steps come up to meet you, uh, rush up to meet you, I thought, no, I'm not going to enjoy this. So I just sat down and enjoyed the sounds of the sea and the sounds of the birds and it was a blistering hot day and the lovely fella went down to the bottom and explored a little bit. When I was sitting there, I was thinking about when it was a, a fishing station and how difficult it must have been to get the the fish up. I mean, it's a beautiful natural harbour. And I think the steps date back to the late 1700s. So, gosh, that would have been, you know, a lot. If a fishing station, you know, you expect them to be queuing and gutting and lots of supplies coming up and down. It must have been very treacherous at times. I mean, we were there in height of summer. I can't imagine what it would be like in winter or in a flying gale. Um, but well, well worth a visit. And it's a lovely wee gem. And maybe you'll get, if you go there, you'll get led by the Whale Go Steps cat too. <laughs> uh, after that, we motored on to John O'Groats and we stayed at the John O'Groats campsite that night, uh, which was okay the campsite was was lovely it was very nicely situated there was also a field of cheviots next to us which was very nice i would say the next time we probably wouldn't stay at john o'groats we would stay somewhere else in caithness i think there might have been a campsite near duncan's behead uh, there's definitely one at dunnet and i think there's also a campsite uh, sort of between john o'groats and 
Gillis. And I think we might just... Joanna Groats is, is good, uh, and don't get me wrong, uh, but it's it's good to go there if you just want to tick a box and say, I've been to Joanna Groats, it's good for a day trip. But there wasn't a lot to see and do, you know, in our day, the time that we were there. The There is... For anyone who's been on Louise, Kathleen's Louise's retreat, they'll, they'll know what, what's there. But that it is a sort of Pringles-esque, quote marks, knitwear shop and souvenir shop. And there's a really great tourist office there. Also, um, the inn at John O'Groats is beautiful and the Nature's Retreats accommodation it looks incredible. I now definitely want to go on one of Louise's retreats if she does one again because the the accommodation there looks incredible and there's no doubt in that the scenery is spectacular. I mean, it was so warm when we were there that you could barely see Orkney you could you could barely discern between the sea and the sky because it was so hazy and gorgeous and the sea was just sparkling I mean it really was gorgeous but in terms of things to do not a lot you have to make your own fun there we just had a little wander around and then we went and did the John O'Groats coastal path a little bit, trying to find grotty buckies, which are little cowrie shells, which we didn't find. But we found lots of um, stones with holes in them, which I later found out could be by a boring piddock, uh, which apparently shellfish that can bore into rocks. Uh, I'll show you some of the pictures of the rocks with holes. We were very, very surprised by all the holy rocks on John O'Groats Beach. Um, so it was lovely, but again, if I was looking to be walking around and exploring around that area more, I think I would not particularly stay at John O'Groats. As I say, awesome to tick that box and say you've been to John O'Groats. I mean, even the John O'Groats sign wasn't really where it normally is. There was a sign, we got our pictures taken with it, but the John O'Groats sign the famous John O'Groats sign apparently is closed uh, and the business is for sale, which I kind of think is a bit shite because there should just, if, if there's a sign, there should just be a sign. You could go and get your picture taken with it. I don't see why you need to, there needs to be a business where you need to pay to have your picture taken at the John O'Groats sign. And obviously it's not very lucrative if the business is for sale. So I kind of thought that was a bit ridiculous. There were signs everywhere saying great opportunity to just, you know, business opportunity here. Um, nah. I did laugh at the sign which pointed you in the direction of the John O'Groats sign. That was good. Uh, I liked that. Probably not meant to be ironic, but... <laughs> uh, but yes I would definitely visit again but more for a passing through kind of thing and I'd love to stay have a look in the inn at John O'Groats it looks beautiful it looks beautiful then the next morning we were up bright and early to meet the lovely 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 Louise Hunt of the Caithness Craft uh, podcast in Thurso for coffee which she really she's, she almost sent us to the wrong place she's trying to send us to a cafe that was in Brora not in Thurso, but never mind, we, we figured it out. She did give us excellent instructions on how to get there. And oh, it was so lovely to spend time in Louise's company. It always is. Uh, she's just awesome. If you don't listen to her podcast, you should. She is the reason that I wanted to do a podcast the way that I do it. Because whenever she was one of the first knitting podcasts that I listened to, I immediately felt like I was sitting there with her, that I was in her company, that we were having a chat. And I love that she 
that's how she does her podcast and I wanted to sort of harness that a little bit and emulate that a little bit and I think it's lovely to have podcasts that are beautifully produced and have a real show-like quality but there is nothing like feeling like you're there with someone uh, you know knitting beside them laughing alongside them even answering them which I do in Louise's podcast all the time I answer her when she asks questions (laughs) I'm certainly not I'm not saying this to blow my trumpet I hope if I can emulate this in any small way that's awesome but when I listen to Louise's podcast I just always think I feel very lucky to be part of that community and listening listening to her and I love that she has a show that makes you feel so part of the conversation and part of what she's talking about and just just present and I love that and as I say it's lovely spending time in her her uh, company and actually I could have stayed there all day but we had to get on uh, but it was good to talk to her about uh, um, about some things, podcasty things and upcoming things and exciting things and possible future things. She's awesome. And honestly, if you don't listen to our podcast, you're missing out on this genuinely lovely and incredibly funny lady and her awesome family too. After coffee and cake, then we hit the road again towards Durness and that was going to be a slightly longer journey. And as I said in the last podcast, neither of us have been further north on the Scottish mainland than sort of Inverness, the Black Isle. So this was all new to us. And I mean, single single track roads, definitely not new to us because we're from Shetland. Uh, so I think we fared very well with the, or I should say the lovely fella, fared very well with the motorhome because he was the driver on the single track roads. The The journey from Thurso to Tongue and on to Durness was my favourite part there was just so much to see the landscape is beautiful it gets hillier the further north you go and the further west you go and the landscape gets so dramatic it changes so incredibly Uh, I was looking at the map trying to pinpoint the mountains and all of a sudden they were the ones I was looking at were behind us again and uh, oh it's just incredible and the colours geez oh the colours are just amazing of of and it made me feel incredibly lucky that this is in my country and incredibly sad that I haven't done this journey before and we just loved it and I really did particularly love that part of the the journey most we stopped at far on the way to um, Durness and went to Far Beach, which was a beautiful sandy crescent beach, uh, very very deep um, sandy beach, and that was really lovely. I can't remember where else we stopped that day. I should really have my little diary in front of me. I did did take notes. We also really wanted to visit Smoo, uh, Smoo Caves, which are close were close to where we were staying, but actually. By the time we got to our next campsite at Sango Sands, we were really tired and we were really hungry and it was getting close to probably the closing time for the, the guided tours and things. So we pitched up at Sango Sands and my word, this was an incredible campsite and I should say that the landscape was stunning. We had a pitch reserved for us overlooking Sango Sands Bay and... I'll put pictures up on the on the show notes, but this was just incredible. A lovely, lovely, lovely 
campsite with just such beautiful surrounding area. We pitched up and we're so hungry and we decided that we were going to try and eat out instead of cooking in the caravan and there was a restaurant bar right next to the campsite called the Sango Sands Oasis and it didn't open uh, for another hour so we went and had a little walk about and there's lots to see around there for a small area there's lots of little workshops and crafty places there's a great tourist centre and there's two very good shops um, you know, general stores uh, as well and when the pub opened we, we went in and sat down and it had wi-fi which the wi-fi at john groats was awful uh, it was uh, not run by the john groats um provided by john groats but it was a, a, like a service uh it was i think it was called highland wi-fi a lot of the campsites use it it's not very good you get one bar if if you're lucky it's very choppy and it's quite expensive so don't go with that um, if you can help it. Uh, but the pub at the Sango Sands had a good Wi-Fi, so we managed to post pictures and, and do all those kind of things. And then we booked in for a meal when the pub, the restaurant opened. And for, as someone who's worked in food service who for many years on and off and has worked in pubs and restaurants and cafes and things... When you see homemade on a menu, it just makes me so happy because you can't say it's homemade unless it's homemade. And this was really good. The menu was quite short, you know, uh, homemade fish pie, homemade beef lasagna, homemade chicken curry, that kind of thing. But oh my goodness, it was so good. And the staff were delightful and really, really helpful as well. And we managed to have main course and pudding all homemade and which I just think you know when you've done a long journey and you're tired and you just want something hot sometimes anything will do but that was just wonderful they got big thumbs up on my trip advisor <laughs> my trip advisor review but the thing worst thing was that we were so tired and so full that we just wanted to sleep after that so we didn't get to do much exploring around um, in the evening as we wanted to but we were up quite early and we went down to the beautiful beach and um, took some pictures and did a little bit exploring around there before our next leg of the journey which was down through Ascent towards Ullapool and a friend of mine had made the recommendation that we should go to Old Shoremore Beach which we did. Um, there are two lovely beaches in Sutherland in that area. There's Sandwood Bay which is a four-mile walk overland to, and there's Old Shoremore. And uh, we didn't have time, obviously, to do Sandwood Bay this trip, so we did Old Shoremore instead, which was a beautiful white shell beach and incredible area. And I did lots of um, puddling around for little bits of shells and things. And I could have stayed there a lot longer. It was a very nice area, a calming area, and um, a nice walk, although... It's sort of down the hill from the car park and, and some somebody has done an awfully good thing and put in sort of steps into the sand and, and a rope handrail uh, all the way down, which is really good, but see pulling yourself back up that again <laughs> was quite difficult. Uh, but it was lovely there. And then from there, we were headed to the Lochinver Hall to see Helen Ripplescrafts at the Maiden Ascent Maker's Day at the at, at Lochinver. And this is another part of the journey 
uh, that was just incredible. The mountains, oh, just amazing. And again, you know, the landscape shifts so dramatically as you move through it. It's it's really breathtaking. And I kept having to ask the lovely fellow to stop so I could take pictures. And, and of course, there are lots of sheep, mostly cheviots, mostly cheviots and suffolks um, and texels. I saw lots, but saw lots and lots and lots of cheviots who were obviously totally bemused by our being there, just, you know, didn't want the picture taken, would run away. Just, just you know, not sociable at all. <laughs> but yes, that was an incredible drive. And again, the colours in the landscape, the pinks, the rusts, the greens, the green, just awesome. And you can totally understand why Helen is so inspired by the landscape and the changing colours around her and, and the, and the colours that she dyes. Awesome. Just awesome. But all the only words that I can use for it just like really made my heart sing that journey. And we went to the to the fair and it was really lovely to see Helen and I purchased some yarn. Her Kenyug base BFL in the Ascent Peat, which is a lovely grey colour, a solid colour. And then also I bought one of her Hubble Bubble colourways, inspired by the colours that are beamed back from the Hubble telescope. So uh, there are lots of unrepeatable colourways that Helen's done, unique colourways, and I got one of those, which isn't right here next to me, so I can't tell you which one it is, but I'll put up pictures. Uh, lovely, love Helen's yarns, just love them. And if you're a fan of Ripple's Crafts, you'll find her that she's going to be at Yarndale in September, and she's also going to be at the Loch Ness Knit Fest, if you're heading there. Uh, also, at the Maiden Ascent Fair, I saw some other lovely hand-knit and hand-spun goodies. Nothing that grabbed my fancy, I have to say. I was looking for, obviously, I got my lovely uh, wool hand-dyed uh, in Ascent, and the colours in the, the Hubble one that I had chosen kind of were reminiscent to me of the colours that I'd seen on the journey. So that was why it was important to me. But I was kind of also looking for local breed yarns and there was nothing really like that there. But I got some beautiful cards from uh, from a local artist and also some awesome smokehouse, local smokehouse goods uh, that we had for our dinner that night as well. So it was a really lovely uh, fair and really nice uh, to visit that and then what did we do then we went and had some lunch uh, and sat by the banks of Loch Ascent and again I felt rather smug that I lived in this awesome country with this incredible landscape and um, and yes I you know I just kept saying to myself Mountains are magnificent. Mountains are majestic. I've seen mountains before, but until you visit this part of the country, you just, you, oh, it's just gorgeous. And um, one of the mountains that I, I didn't know the names of them, I'm rubbish at that kind of thing, but one that I recognised straight away was Sulvan. And uh, so that was that was very nice to see that. And And yes, it was lovely just to sit there and contemplate the beautiful landscape. And then we drove down to Ullapool, where we stayed at the Broomfield Caravan Park that night. And that was a, re a really nice caravan park. And they had the rubbish Highland Wi-Fi, which was absolutely non-existent. Uh, we went to a couple of pubs and I got some very strange looks for knitting in public. 
Uh, but I just smiled and gave them eye contact and knitted on. And um, there were some really lovely little shops. Uh, one shop that I wanted to get to and I didn't, and we, we passed it in Loch Inver and also in Liverpool was the Highland Stoneware Pottery Gallery, which uh, I, once upon a time, had a beautiful vase from the Highland Pottery Stoneware Gallery, and um, it's either got broken or lost, or um, someone else, one of my flatmates, got it in an old uh, <laughs> flat move years ago. And I've always been looking to replace it and get something else from them. So maybe we'll, I'll get to visit another time or have a look at their online shop. But that was really nice, and um, I got a couple of great suggestions from friends of. Uh, uh, good woolly nitty uh, places to visit in Alapool. Unfortunately, most of them were closed or closing by the time we got there. And then we were leaving quite early the next day because we were headed back to the Black Isle. And one of my most anticipated places on the trip, the Black Isle Brewery. Now, recently I have discovered the joy of the Black Isle Brewery beers and the fact that they do a gluten-free beer, which is awesome. Uh, I don't have a gluten intolerance, but I have been trying to cut out gluten in my diet and they do an awesome gluten-free beer. It's only available from some pubs and and online, I believe, and Waitrose. But uh, it was, uh, yeah. So I was really keen to go visit there. And they're kind of based in Manlochy. And we eventually found them. And they do free tours and tastings. We were met there by Dinah. And there was another couple from South Africa who'd also just arrived. And she took us on the tour. Uh, and uh, if you follow me on Instagram you might have seen that a wee while ago Felix Ford and I visited a mini brewery in Edinburgh and this is still I suppose thought of as a small brewery but what a difference in size and operation it was really interesting finding out about the processes and if you ever find yourself in uh, the Black Isle then do try and go and visit and taste some some beers um, they make incredible beers and porters and um, really lovely malty ales and blondes and it's it's they, they offer a lot and one of the things that I loved about it was the other products that they sell in their and sort of make in the local area so they have uh, it's organic beer I forgot to say that so there's an awesome thing. They're also really interested in the wildlife. So they have, they had a lot of information about bees and, and they had local uh, organic soaps uh, made with, you know, lavender and lemon and thyme and gorgeous things like that. And they also had jumpers for sale. And these are Hebridean jumpers uh, made from Hebridean wool. Uh, and they're called, they sort of called them their beer jumpers. And... There is a local flock of Hebridean sheep um, very close by and they feed their sheep the spent grains and when it's time to shear the sheep they have the wool that's been grown from eating all those fantastic spent grains and grass in the local beautiful area. They have it spun and then made into jumpers and I love that and I would like to speak to them about that because I think that's really interesting and I love the symmetry in that there's just something lovely about that cyclical about that I asked uh, Dinah where the sheep were because I'd like to take a picture of them and they were at the bottom 
of the road and the rams were sort of in a in a field that were close by but they weren't really interested in having the pitch taken they didn't want me to you know every time I, I got close to one then it just shot off but they're be- beautiful sheep they really are beautiful sheep and I loved the um the items that they had made they had sort of vest style jumpers and button-up gilets and the wool was really rustic, had a load of character, um, lots of lovely grey hairs in there. And I wish I bought one now. It would have been, and it was silly of me not to buy one really, um, just to have as a, as a sort of souvenir of the trip. And what a beautiful relationship between the beer and the sheep, two of my favourite things, and uh, of the wool. So um, brilliant idea, really, really great idea. Uh, So that was brilliant, and we tasted some beers, and that was also excellent. And then, after buying a lot of beers, then we went on to our next part of the journey, which was to the uh, Clutie Well. I don't know if any of you are aware of the Clutie Well, but it's one of these places of pilgrimage uh, that the water in the well is purported to have healing properties. And basically what you do is you take with you a rag and you dip it in the well uh, for the healing of someone, either yourself or someone else. And then you tie that rag to one of the surrounding trees and the idea is that as the rag disintegrates so does the person's ailment and so I really wanted to do that for someone and um, we went there and it was incredible so you start off seeing one or two little rags on trees and then as you go up towards the well it's just quite moving to see the vast amount of rags and of items of clothing and things that have been dipped in the water and tied to trees and it's a you know it's quite a hopeful place but it's also quite bittersweet and melancholy and um and yeah I was very glad to have visited it um and I kind of just hoped that everyone who'd had a rag tied there for them was now on the other side of of things that was lovely and we really wanted to visit there and then the rest of our time in the Black Isle was um, tied up with spending time with an absolute dear friend who I haven't seen for ages. And so that was wonderful, really, really wonderful. And again, we stayed at Fortrose Bay and that was a nice little um, end to the camping part of our holiday, after which we um, had to get our camper van, van back to Fife uh, quite early on the Sunday morning so it was an early start on the Sunday morning and but we weren't content to just go home after we dropped the camper van off and so we had an extra night in a wigwam in near Stirling and spent Sunday driving around the Trossachs and Loch Lomond and, and we visited a place that Kate Davies had posted about recently called Lookout uh, which is an incredible work of art uh, that is a, basically a mirrored building with... Well, I don't know how to describe it, but it stayed with me for such a long time afterwards. It is a, a building, it is a lookout, it has three dimensions uh, and lines like you would expect a building to have, but there is so much depth to that and the perspectives of which... This, these mirrored sides was just incredible and 
kind of spooky and kind of otherworldly and kind of awesome how the the surrounding bends and lochs and trees just reflect it back at you in this very incredible way and yeah it stayed with me for quite some time and I couldn't stop thinking about it and I made me think about dimensions and my position and how you can take something quite straightforward as I say with with roofs and sides and doors and make it almost bend reality uh yeah it was it was really good and I will link to Kate's post about it and where you can find it because if you find yourself in that area it would be sad not to visit it you'd be sad not to visit it because it's awesome and there was a lot of sheep nearby as well who again were totally disinterested in us being there and um, I tried to tell them that you know I love wool come and see me sheep but no they weren't interested in me um they sense my over eagerness to love them and their wool. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and so we st- and the last night we stayed at Maine's Farm Wigwams, which was uh, really great. And there was a seeking helicopter in the middle of it all, which was kind of odd. But the, the campsite was uh, was great. You can you can take a caravan camper van there. You can tent there, or you can stay in one of the wigwams. There are fire pits, so you could roast your marshmallows and things like that. We were just so tired that we were just enjoying the last day of our highland honeymoon and uh, on the last day I woke up and it was raining and that was the first rain we'd had proper rain the whole trip so I kind of knew it was time to go back to reality then but we just had an incredible time and uh, saw so much and appreciated the the landscape so much and it was so good to catch up with good friends while we were there and it was just lovely, really, really lovely. And I can't think of anywhere better to have gone after getting married. Um, I think the lovely fella probably w- won't want to drive anywhere soon <laughs> after all that driving. But it, we both agreed it was just wonderful and can't wait to to go again and see some of the places that we didn't get to see, which is what Louise Hunt was talking about in her podcast this week, actually. Um, you know, going to places and some of the things you didn't get to see. Uh, but I don't regret not getting to Smooth Caves or Cape Wrath or, you know, any places any places like that because I know I'll be coming back and I'll get to see them another time. As I say, things like the mountains, the lochs, the, the colours, you just find such appreciation, a renewed appreciation or, or you discover things that you didn't know about the landscape, your country and sometimes yourself. Uh, so it was lovely. It was really, really lovely and can't wait to do it again. And in terms of knitting, I did on this trip, I took away with me two projects. I took away with me my Nut Hap by Jen Arnold Culliford from the, from the Book of Haps. Uh, that was good, one by one rib. Last time I had a little bit of an RSI, so I kind of alternated between that and my second Croft Who's Hat in Jimison Smith Heritage Natural Yarn, which I talked about last time and I've done another one, which was a bit more haphazard this time because I had forgotten. I took a picture of the colour combinations I was going to do and then for some reason deleted it off my phone, completely and utterly deleted it off my phone. So I did the first row, wasn't kind of not happy with the colours I chose, but I think it might be fine once 
once I've done it. Uh, second row, I was more happy with the colours I chose. The third row, I was really happy with the colours I'd chosen. So it was a sort of a, a progression of happiness. But I just loved that pattern and that yarn and it was really quick to knit. I also took with me a third project, which I knit a little bit on. It's Kate Davis's stripped bonnet hat pattern from Buckle. Uh, book and the yarn I'm using is rather exciting it is blacker yarns tin 2 you might remember that last year for their 10th birthday blacker yarns brought out a Cornish tin which was a blend of wool, alpaca and mohair of the fibres that uh, are most popular with them and that they have sort of built their fantastic business on and it was an incredible yarn it was very limited edition it was available in double knit and four ply and this year the put up is different the the fiber is is different for their 11th birthday they are going to be releasing tin 2 cornish tin 2 I think the reason that they wanted to do another Cornish tin is because it was so sought after last year and there's kind of a, a, also a nice symmetry between 11th birthday 1 1 and tin II 2. Uh, there is, has been changed to the recipe. I, I haven't been told what they are yet. I have, I've asked. So I will let you know when I know what the, what the fibre is. But it's 100% UK based fibre, which is awesome. And it's blacker yarns, guys. So you know that it's been created with hand knitters like yourself in mind with the story of where it's come from and also speaks of the incredible workmanship that goes into creating yarn at the Natural Fibre Company. Sonia from Blacker sent me a couple of skeins uh, to try and this is just lovely and I think because she was so generous I'm going to give one of them away. I'm not announcing a, a prize or anything at the moment but I might just give one away because she was so generous in sending me a couple and I could I could share the love I think. Uh, this yarn is lovely and I can't wait to tell you more about it but I was so enthralled with it that I even wound some off and gave it to Louise Hunt so that she can try it too. Because, you know me, I am an enabler. I have been known as a dirty enabler at times, but I think it's really important that if you like something for whatever ever reason, uh, and this is wooly, this is shiny, this is a lovely smooth yarn through the fingers. Uh, again, more on this soon. And I just, I love that combination and I love the colour and I thought, Louise admired it and I was like right I'm going to give some to her so I'm sure she'll give you a review of that soon too uh, but really 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 nice and I'm really glad that Blacker have have decided to to bring out a yarn for another limited yarn for their birthday and hopefully more people will, more people will be able to get their hands on it this time and celebrates British wool and fibre what can be better than that so hopefully next time uh, I will have that finished hat to show you and talk about the tin two a little a little bit more. Also, news from Blacker. If you follow them on Instagram, you'll have heard that they are celebrating their very special St Kilda yarn in a really lovely way. If you have knit with the St Kilda yarn, lace weight, it's it's incredible. It's 
It uses fibre from two of the oldest and rarest British sheep breeds, Soe and Borderay. And it's incredibly finely spun into a lace weight. It's beautiful. And what they're doing is they're collaborating with Joy, the knitting goddess, to come up with ten incredible hand-dyed shades, which which is just lovely. One of our most fantastic mills working with one of our most talented dyers with this really, really, really special yarn. That's going to be happening soon and it's going to be launching at Yarndale. So watch out for that. And if you don't get the newsletter from Blacker Yarns and you don't get the newsletter from Joy at The Knitting Goddess, you might not find out about these things until it's too late. So get their newsletters and also follow them on on Instagram and Twitter so that you can find out when that incredible collaboration is going to be launched and when that yarn's going to be available for your itchy nitty grabby hands book of Hapsalong the competitive element has now finished. If you remember, if you are in the UK and you're knitting with a British slash UK yarn, it's either spun, grown or dyed or all three, you would be eligible for a prize. And if you were not based in the UK but were using a yarn that was local to you, you were also in the running for a prize. Now, the, the closing date for the competitive element was Sunday the 14th of August. And... Oh, sorry, slightly distracted by a spider on the window. It's on the outside. It's okay. Phew, it was quite a big one. Yes, the competitive element is now is now over and I have gone through the finished object thread and I have taken note of all the comment numbers of everyone who used British wool or, and local wool and there were over 40 uh, people who used British wool and I have, as I say, <laughs> diligently written down all the numbers and copied them into a notepad. So I will now live, well, live recording, obviously not live broadcast, um, put the, those numbers into random.org. So apologies for clicking in things. Um, also, I need to have the thread open so I can tell you which number has one. So bear with me two ticks. It was 40 odd comment numbers are all in the random org list randomizer and the, num the number at the top of that list, once I generate it, will win a fantastic prize of a large I'm happy because I knit British screen printed fair trade cotton bag by Joy, the knitting goddess, worth £25 and also I will find a little woolly prize to put in that that um, bag for the winner. So let's randomize. And the number at the top of the list, it is 18, which is, let me see, go to the comment 18, is, brrr, oh, that's me, that can't be right. Let me see what I've done wrong there. Um, books of Hap along Hap chat. I'm in the wrong thread altogether. Oh my goodness! Let's try that again. 
<laughs> Finish objects thread. It's Gal from Kazoo. Uh, who is Linda from uh, Suffolk, who uh, knit her happenstance with Jimison's Spindrift. And, oh my goodness, the colours are amazing. You've not put the colours in your um, project notes, but they're very similar to the the colours used in Romy Hill's sample that's in the book. Looking... Gorgeous. Well done, Linda. I will be getting in contact with you for your address so I can send you your awesome prize. And thank you so much to Joy the Knitting Goddess for such a generous gift of that amazing TARDIS proportioned uh, knit British bag. Uh, thank you so much for that. And now to the local guys who there weren't quite so many as 40 of you who um, were using, seeking out yarn that was local to you. But those of you who did, my goodness me, you did an amazing job. Now let me just find the notepad with the, the numbers in it, because we can't choose a number without the numbers open. So again, with the random.org list randomizer. And randomize. Number 66, and the winner is, let me find you, comment 66, stick mages, scroll, 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 it's Anna Kaika, awesome, this is what she says, this is my lang ear knitted in local to me yarn, I'm from Sweden, and I have dyed the yarn with plants and mushrooms, the white yarn is wool from Swedish fennel sheep, but was spun in Denmark, I hope that's local enough. Well, grown, spun or dyed, uh, whatever is local to you is awesome. And that is incredible. Your your lang air is beautiful. You have won a tote bag from uh, that was donated by Kelly Connor Bags and a skein of yarn that I purchased myself for this very prize, uh, which is Ginger Twist Studios Sound and Fury colorway in her sheepish double knit blue face Leicester base so I will get in touch with both Ulrika, Linda um, so I can get those prizes in the post to you. Very well done and very well done to everyone. Thank you those of you who sought out British wool and who sought out wool that's local to you. You are champions with your knitting and supporting British and local breeds. Well done to you. Now, there is a surprise extra prize. The lovely Erica Eccles got in touch to offer a prize for this cal and because I'd already said I was only going to be doing two official prizes British wool and local wool I thought what can this be for and you might remember in the last episode I said that there were just not enough cats on haps pictures from this year's cal where there was loads last year and I thought if there is a really good cats on haps picture either in the Ravelry thread or using the hashtag Book of Haps Along, then I would give my favourite one this awesome prize from Erica Eccles, who also has a fantastic cat and uh, loves cats and who I know she would just love this idea. So, I had a little look in the Knit British 
uh, Ravelry thread uh, for the books, Book of Haps Along and some of you were awesome and you did take that call to action and you did get your cats on haps and also there were some cats on haps on Instagram. And I think that my favourite one, there, there are one or two that are just incredibly awesome, but my favourite one is Mabel, who is um, the cat who um, belongs to Lisa Marguerite, or should I say Lisa Marguerite belongs to Mabel, because if you're a cat owner, you know that it's the cat who owns you really um, and I just loved her picture because the cat, the cat is sort of lying on the hap and looking up as the picture's being taken as if to say what <laughs> as if to say what I'm on my hap what what do you want <laughs> and the hap is gorgeous it's the Langer hap but I really really loved this picture uh, of Mabel on the hap and so I didn't tell anybody I was doing this, so Lisa Marguerite, I will get in contact with you to let you know that you have won a beautiful prize from Erica Eccles. It is a handmade wool embroidered case for interchangeable needles and it's just gorgeous and I really would like to say a very big thank you to Erica Eccles, aka Lisa. Like so many of you, um, loves podcast and loves to do what you can for the podcast in return and um, this is just such a lovely way to do that as to offer a prize and so thank you so much that beautiful wool embroidered needle case which I shall take a picture of for the blog will be going to Lisa Marguerite and to Mabel the cat for her awesome photographic posing skills. In addition to those prizes, I have to also say very well, many congratulations to Blythe Spirit, who is Malin, who won the joint prize that Jen Arnold Culliford and I hosted. Um, we thought that, seeing as we were both doing Hapcals, it would be great to offer a prize to someone who double dipped in both. And Jen did the draw, and it was the lovely Blythe Spirit, aka uh, Malin, and she has won. Lucy Haig's incredible cable book and a skein of Yarns from the Plain yarn and those wing, winging their way to her very soon. Congratulations, Millen. Your knitting uh, for Carl's always just is incredible and you are one of the ones who were firmly bitten by the Hap knitting book and have knit your way through the book already, I think. Another prize very well deserved. Thank you so much to everybody from the very bottom of my heart for taking part in the book of Haps Along. I wasn't going to be doing a Hap Along again quite so soon. I wasn't going to be doing any kind of Cal quite so soon and I probably won't do one now for quite a while. There is still the Breed Swatch Along going on, which I've been neglecting, but I will come back to that soon. But thank you for taking part in that Cal, which is probably likely to be the last Cal of 2016 as far as Net British hosted Cal's go and thank you so much for your enthusiasm for for all things hap and all things knit british as ever i'm i'm so appreciative and if you are coming to shetland wool week and you've knitted a hap either in this hap along or the last hap along i would like to hear from you because i'd like to organize a little get together now my time in shetland is going to be short and so unfortunately i'm i'm, I'm kind of going to be constricted to what 
dates and times I can offer, but it would be lovely to get together for a cup of tea and perhaps go to the Shetland Museum and look at the haps there. Um, but unfortunately, I can't really open this up to choice of dates or times because I'm really quite constricted myself. Uh, but I will... Uh, put a little note or do a blog, put a little note in the Knit British Traveller group or do a little blog post on that shortly. That is about it. I think I've waffled on for far too long for one episode. I've not told you about my meaningful knit uh, and my wedding attire. I'll, I think I'll keep that for another episode. I'll, yeah, I'll do that next time, I think, because otherwise I'll just have waffled on for too long about wedding things and and holiday things and yeah yeah let's come back next time for that uh, <laughs> um thank you all so very much for listening thank you so much for your connections and your emails and your comments and your reviews and all of your good wishes uh recently i really 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 appreciate them um i will be back around the 9th of september the fantastic Joy the Knitting Goddess is sponsoring the episodes in September, so expect there to be lots of awesome news from her, and we'll talk more about that fantastic collaboration between her and Blacker Yarns. Until then, take very good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Take care of that throat. You're a big
publicity. The price of fame, God. Now you've got the glory. You're gonna take a little heartaches to go with it. Now look at me. I got no glory. I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. What I've got. What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I gotta get out of here.